you do the intro this week? Me? Yeah. I always do it. I, I'm not prepared. I am, I'm never prepared. Do you actually want me to? That's... Is This is the intro. <laughs> Welcome back to the Me and Mariah podcast, where me, Blake, listens to Taylor talk about Mariah Carey for the 1,000th hour of our life. It probably is close to 1,000 hours. <laughs> wow. How's that? That's that'll do. It was a little monotone. It's okay. I had I had to think on the spot. Maybe next week I'll actually do it. Oh, maybe. I don't even know what we're talking about today. <laughs> well, I did something that I wish I didn't do, and I've been in a spiral ever since. What? Well, I truly don't know what to believe, and I'm not sure which way is up. Am I even facing forward anymore? Are my eyes even open? What is real life? Well, okay, before you keep staring at me in confusion. Yeah, what's happening? I googled Mariah Carey conspiracy theories and something came up that I don't want to be real. What? Well, honestly, it doesn't matter either way. It's just I've thought it was one way for so long and I've been so sure and so convicted in my belief. And for some reason now I'm wavering. What? What is it? The age old question of whether Mariah was birthed in the year 1970 or 1969. Oh. Now we've seen in, in print 1970 in one of those Rolling Stone magazines that we read through. Mm -hmm. But now I've seen something that's put me in a tizzy, a clipping from a newspaper, The Long Islander, and in it, a birth announcement for one Mariah, born to Mr. and Mrs. Alfred Carey. The date on the paper is April 10th, 1969. <gasps> Riddle me that, and I'm sorry, lambs who are listening. Maybe I'm late to the party, but what? What does she say her birth year is? I mean, we've heard her mom on Oprah say sitting right next to her, Mariah was born in 1970. So what is the truth? And how will we ever know for sure? I don't even think her mom knows for sure, so we will never know. I'm eternally 12, yes. Someone on the post of the article tried to use the excuse that she had to be born in 1969 because she graduated high school in 1987, mm -hmm. meaning that she would have only been 16 for the majority of her senior year, not turning 17 until two months before graduation. That is kind of weird. Well, I was 16 the first half of my senior year, but I skipped 11th grade, so that's my excuse. That doesn't count. I don't know what Mimi's would be. I knew it was going to be age-related, though, the conspiracy theory. I knew it had something to do with her age, because that's, like, such a big debate. Right. I thought it also might have been something about her speech impediment. Oh, wow. You're really... you <laughs> love bringing to, that back. You love to dig that knife in, don't you? Um, I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know why more people aren't talking about it. Nothing's wrong with it. I just feel like everyone's ignoring it. Well, in finding that article because you know how the internet works i somehow ended up on a photo of something that ties into last week's episode it's a yearbook signature to a chick named Susie from mariah and she wrote dear Susie, hi honey i can't believe you're graduating remember last year with all those fights we got into remember with crusty and everyone oh then when we got in a fight with the lesbian and crew how sad oh. that was oh. <laughs> <laughs> what why lesbian? There's like one lesbian? The, I doubt the that. The token lesbian. I'm sure I will see you a lot still, especially if I go to your house to cut your family's hair. Three exclamation points. Oh, wow. How's Jason, your favorite friend? You guys should really stop abusing him before he develops a complex. <gasps> Only kidding. <laughs> and then a quote that she wrote. There is a pig in the vicinity. Remember Tom A with Zooch and Zoe and the rest of his mint saying CC frog? What this, that means, I don't know. This is also cryptic. Yeah, it says hide this so you don't stir up any old arguments. See you over the summer. Good luck always with Woody and with everything else. 
Love you always, Mariah. Call me. What? I know. Why does it sound like a 40-year-old's writing it? And she's <laughs> literally a senior. Doesn't it? Like, yeah. such like um, well, maybe that's how they developed talked. language. I think it was the times. Right. But yeah, so cryptic. So, so many riddles. I need to know who Krusty is. I need to know about the pig. I need to know all of it. The lesbian. And Come the, I obviously want to know about the lesbian. I would give anything to see 16-year-old Mariah with a cigarette in one hand just slam some poor girl's little cranium into a wall of lockers. Apparently, our Mimi started off as a bully. Oh, my God. I can't really imagine her as a bully. I feel like I could imagine her being confident, but honestly, like, including everyone and wanting to be liked by everyone. She was probably in her bad girl Sandy phase, you know, when she teased her hair and wore the leather jacket. Yeah. Oh, and while we're on the topic of high school in 1987, do you know who Debbie Gibson is? I feel like by the time you were able to be paying attention to pop culture, she had already come and gone. No idea who that is. Debbie's debut song, Only In My Dreams, would have come out in the middle of Mariah's senior year, and honestly, I bet it pissed her off. Because by then, she had already written and recorded songs like Someday and Here We Go Around Again, which have a similar feel to Debbie's song. You know, that 80s teeny bop vibe. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Mariah was like 15 or 16 when she wrote those songs, and Debbie wrote Only In My Dreams when she was 13. What? Mm -hmm. Another thing they have in common is they both own famous pianos. Hmm. Mariah's got Marilyn's white baby grand and Debbie's is mirrored like a disco ball and used to belong to Liberace. Ooh, I want to see the disco ball one. Cute. Well, the story goes that when Mariah was doing press for her first album, she had made a comment to somebody about how when she heard Debbie Gibson's song, she thought, all right, if this girl has a fucking record deal, then I'm for sure going to get a record deal. And she knew. She, yep, she did. Was there a little shade in that comment? Probably. But Mariah didn't want Debbie to take it the wrong way, and she certainly didn't want to hurt her feelings with the comment. You know, one thing I remember about Debbie Gibson was in one of Kathy Griffin's old stand-up specials. I remember how Kathy used to work the red carpets like Joan Rivers and just ask people silly, stupid questions. I actually do remember that. Well, I don't know what award show it was, but Kathy had a booth set up, and she was passing out hair removal gel. <laughs> she asked Gwyneth when the last time she ate was... You know, oh, God. Kathy things. Mm-hmm. In the stand-up special, she said that as Debbie was getting ready to approach her booth, one of the segment producers yelled out, Debbie Gibson's coming. We don't want nobody's right. <gasps> Kathy said it was definitely loud enough for Debbie to hear. They're like right next to each other. Oh, no. So she immediately had to act like, what, Debbie? Oh, my God. Yeah, I want to talk to her. <laughs> oh, my God. So back to Mariah's involvement in some good old-fashioned Gibson shaming. She didn't want Debbie to find out what she had said. And take offense to it because who needs to be feuding with another woman in the industry right as you're coming up? Right, Whitney? Get <laughs> Fuck. Anyway, so Mariah writes Debbie a handwritten letter explaining the comment to her, saying that she just admired the fact that Debbie was able to achieve what she had while also being from Long Island, just like Mariah. They were from opposite sides of the island, and Debbie is confirmed by the Lord Jesus to have been actually born in 1970. No question <laughs> on her birth. Well, Debbie saved the letter. She's... Still got it, as I would too. I still have a napkin from 2017 from a time that I was waiting for you actually in a restaurant and the server brought a napkin with a long-winded note from a girl sitting at the bar saying how cute I was and how we should meet up and then she left her number. I thought it was hilarious and I never threw it away. You still have that? Mm-hmm. Wait, where were you? I don't remember. That is so funny. It was one of those like f- themed bars. Oh. That we have, like those old time like 
expensive drinks and cute ambiance. Oh, that's so interesting. I know. <clears throat> anyway, so Debbie has Mariah's letter still. Mm-hmm. I just can't believe Mariah went through so much trouble to over-explain the situation. <laughs> well, I think Debbie really considers herself an inspiration to Mariah Carey. Oh, In God. her mind, she walked so Mariah could run. I inspired her. Oh, my God. Mariah's little letter. <laughs> Which Debbie Wheels said, turned. yeah, she said it was on personalized stationery. It was like the kind of stationery you get at your local stationery store, personalized with wow. the like the blue M and Mariah. It was really cool. I've, I'll never forget that. Oh my gosh! And it makes that makes sense mm-hmm. for Mariah. She's festive. Every detail. But Debbie is still holding on to the memory, and she DM'd Mariah to reminisce a little, and Mariah sent her a voice note of her singing "Only in My Dreams." <laughs> See, I feel like Mariah, like, she might have little mean girl energy in her, which we all do, but I think she genuinely wants to be liked. She doesn't want anyone to feel like how she's felt. Yeah. Yeah. She said she asked Mariah for permission to share the recording, and when she held up the phone to the camera, you could see that the message was from November. So it took Mariah six months to say, go Uh ahead. (sighs) Let's get this on the duets album, Mariah. You and Debbie doing a Debbie song that made you maybe a little jealous, maybe a little inspired. Who's to say? Throwback. In other adjacently Mariah-related news, music journalist Danielle Smith just released her third book a little over a week ago titled Shine Bright, A Very Personal History of Black Women in Pop. Now, Danielle has worked for Spin Magazine, Time, Billboard, but the story she told in her book about Mariah comes from her time as the editor of Vibe Magazine, trying to get Mariah for a cover story. And I would like to just read some little pieces from it right quick. How interesting. What a cool book idea. It goes, In August 1997, I attended a Columbia Records gathering at the Royalton in Midtown New York City. Basically, the hotel's whole lobby, Bar 44, is a long, firelit lounge. People tongue kiss over caipirinas. Caipirinas? What is is that? I think it's a drink. Caipirinas. Sounds Brazilian. Caipirina. I don't know. Oh, yeah. The the alcohol is (laughs) kahahaka. Kachaka. Kachaka. Kaiperinia. Uh, well, anyway, that people drink. are tongue kissing over that. <laughs> Apparently, it's a Brazilian margarita. Mm-hmm. Back to the story. A disappointed hum rises from folks itching to rise 15 floors to where life-changing things are happening, but you can't step on the elevator without an invitation. So at the Royalton on the 15th floor, I'm watching the plays. Someone up front is saying something official. This is during the run-up to Butterfly, Mariah Carey's sixth album. Mariah is to be presented with platinum plaques for her previous album, Daydream. Daydream sold 20 million worldwide. In May 1995, Mariah announced her separation from Sony Music CEO, Tommy Mottola. The buzz at the Royalton event is that Carey is coming back to black. What does that even mean? This event is likely the one Sandra Bernhard referenced in a Mariah Carey joke from that era. And Mariah Carey and her crazy ass... And now trying to backtrack on our asses up there at the Royalton Hotel Suite with Puff Daddy and all the greasy chain-wearing black men. Oh, yeah, Daddy. It feels kind of good. I didn't know I'd be so into this moment. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yo, I got a little bit of black in me, too. I didn't tell you that. Bernhardt is also known for saying that Carrie is only black when it helps her sell music, which denies Carrie her authenticity and humanity, and is also a super rich comment considering that the statement could be a motto for many white recording artists over the course of her story. 
Herstory. <laughs> uh, yes, hello, Elvis. We're talking about you. At the Royalton, I see a guy. Guy sees me. Guy introduces himself. Full name, no company or title. He looks familiar, but the room is shadowy, and he's standing too close for sharp focus. I introduce myself. Full name, no company or title. The no title thing does double duty. It's meant to convey that each of us should know who the other is, and meant to convey that not every interaction is or has to be completely about business. I am working, and I am curious. Me too. <laughs> Guy looks like he could be holding down any Brooklyn corner. He also looks like he was a cog sci major at Williams College. So we talk. But he keeps an eye on the front of the room, like he's waiting for a specific thing to happen. Me. Mariah fan? Guy with big energy. Big Mariah fan. I don't say it, but I'm a big fan of Mariah's, especially her mid-tempo projects. The agility of her voice, the vocal arrangements, the bright emotion. When Mariah was shut out of the 1996 Grammys, my fanship solidified. It was not just that Daydream was on its way to selling over 20 million copies and that Mariah was on her path to being second only to the Beatles in terms of number one singles. It wasn't just that Carrie and Boys to Men were sitting on the new milestone of most consecutive weeks at Billboard number one for One Sweet Day. This, along with the way hip-hop was clawing its way onto pop radio, playlist was a cannonball landing on America's pop cannon. Whoa, whoa. See, industry people were all aware of the difference between how Mariah was treated versus how she deserved to be treated. She's always got the shaft from these people for some reason. It's interesting to have a professional actually like chronicle it. At being outside of Mariah's world just felt like so much of this was understated or like wasn't really talked about. But here we are like someone was trying to bring awareness to it. She says, me and Mariah met via the event at the Royalton. The guy with the big energy who kept watching the front of the room, we lightweight stayed in touch. And I'd kept my ear to the ground about him. The guy knew everyone who was anyone. So I called Guy when I needed to get to Mariah Carey. At the time, I'd never met Mariah, and my best Columbia Records contact was not feeling me. I knew Guy had access to Carey's business because when he finally did step away for a moment at the fall 1997 Royalton event, he returned with four teenagers who he quietly introduced to me as Beyonce, Kelly, Latoya, and Latavia. They'd signed to Columbia a few months before. Though I'd just met guy he leaned over and whispered something to the effect of mariah specifically asked that this group not attend this event oh really me okay so why are they here then destiny's child what did she have against destiny's child guy tommy suggested i bring them here just to fuck with her i glanced at the girls beyonce might have been 16 you could see it though the future okay let me just get to what you said because yeah, what that's did, what, what did she? well it's very on brand for the mariah that we know and love today let's be honest. Yeah. And I would expect nothing less from Tommy because that fucking guy would do something just to fuck with her. Back then, Mariah had signed the group Allure to her record label, who, by the way, they were very butthurt that when Mariah put out her memoir, she didn't mention them in it. <laughs> when she was talking about her label. That's besides the point. I just think it's funny. But Destiny's Child would have been their direct competition. So it's okay, like, okay, okay. I'm bringing sense. this girl group. Why we have another R&B okay. girl group. I thought it was like her personal. Yeah. No, okay. it was just like a business thing. I mean, that kind of makes sense then. Yeah. So she says, the guy that brought young Destiny's Child to Mariah's platinum plaque extravaganza at the Royalton. I called him and told him I needed to speak to Mariah. Like right now I need to speak to her. Guy, why? Why would I tell you why? Because you're asking for a number. Do you have it? You know I have it. How would I not have it? It's why you're calling me. It's a cover. Well, I know you're friends with her enemies. He laughs. I have no friends and Mariah has no enemies. He gives me Mariah's mobile number. I'm asked to not say how I got it. I call it. I have no speech prepared. I tell her who I am, that I am from Vibe. I make my pitch. She sounds bored. See, I wish she would have answered the phone when I called her that one time. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, Mariah, 
listen, I'm in a weird place, like geographically. You could never get here. But if you can get here, I'll talk to you. But it's remote. I ask her where. She tells me she's in a super unknown spot called Sonoma County, California. (laughs) Wow. Might as well be the freaking Bermuda Triangle. I've been to Sonoma County many a time. (laughs) I tell my boss, Keith, I have Mariah. Keith puts me on a flight first class to SFO. No luggage. I leave the office, get my interview. And once I got it, Columbia had to work with me with regard to photos Mariah told me they owned, which would definitely work for the vibe cover. As she told me that night over too many glasses of Merlot, I've always had this very very, I don't want to call it ambitious, but an anxious state of being. Like, if I don't do this, then maybe something will go wrong. Like, maybe I better do this, if you know what I mean. Oh, yes, Mariah Carey, I know just what you mean. Okay, first of all, I love her description of Sonoma as a geographically weird place. Yeah. Like an hour north of San Francisco is some land of imagination. We'll have to get a copy of the magazine and read the interview that they did. I think this was the cover where she's in a chainmail bikini. Oh, my gosh. The timing would match up for it to be that issue. Okay, switching topics before we go, though. I know this episode is all over the place. There's no set theme this week. We're just going with it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they didn't build Rome in a day. Isn't that what they say? Yeah. Whatever. I was going through my notes app, and I found uh, a note from that episode that we did in February, but never put up because your mic was turned off. So I would have sounded like I was a crazy person. I mean, even crazier than I already do talking about Mariah Carey. Yeah, I'd be alone. Not a good look. Well, if you remember, I had asked people on Instagram to share their worst breakup story, and I somehow related it to Mariah. You remember? It was, yeah, the Valentine's Day. Well, since we never got to share them with the rest of the class, I figured why not share one or two of them now? Oh, yeah, there were some good ones. When I say good, I mean... Sad. Yeah. Or juicy. (laughs) So worst breakup number one was I was kidnapped by my uncle to escape an abusive relationship. And I think my plan here was to just cut to butterfly. I think we were like very perplexed about like everyone's role in the situation. And like we had a little bit of an empowering moment. (laughs) Like... It seems like a really great way to end that kind of relationship. It's like that Julia Roberts movie where she learns to swim. Only this person had help. Her uncle. Yes. Yes. Thank goodness for the uncle. Mm. Well, breakup number two was my husband died. Oh, yeah. I didn't say much about that because such a sad. Yeah. And I think we'll just leave it at that. I don't know where I was going with this idea in the first place, but that's all I got this week. (laughs) Maybe the message is Mariah can get us through everything. Also. That's what you believe. It's true. (laughs) That's my faith. (laughs) We'll come back next week and we'll talk about Mimi some more. Oh, as always. See you next Tuesday. Bye.